grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today from Matthew, the temptation of Jesus. And the tempter came to Jesus and said to him, If you are the Son of God. Dear friends of Christ, our text begins this way. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We just sang, a mighty fortress is our God. He protects us from the satanic one. The first Sunday of Lent is always Temptation Sunday. The devil comes into play. He wants to destroy us. But how do you deal with temptation? Well, today we see Jesus dealing with temptation. Uh, And Jesus is no different than we are. Again, he struggled. He never sinned, but he struggled. He was hungry. He cried. Just like us in every way. Just no sin. But why the testing? Why the temptation in the wilderness? Well, our theme gives us the answer. Jesus was tempted for us. For us. In order to understand all this, we need to know what happened just prior to being led into the wilderness. Do you remember? Just before Jesus was led into the wilderness, do you remember what had happened? Jesus was baptized. He was dripping wet from the waters of baptism. Still dripping wet, the Holy Spirit then leads him out of the river down into the desert to be tempted by the devil in the wilderness. Scripture tells us who he's going to face. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. The devil's a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. A terrifying beast. Uh, Revelation calls him a dragon. You don't mess around with the roaring lion. He's dangerous. So why? Why is the Holy Spirit leading the Son of God into the mouth of the beast to be tempted by the devil in the wilderness? No, you can be certain that the devil had one thing in mind. He had every intent to destroy Jesus in the wilderness that day. Just like he destroyed Adam and Eve and got them to fall into sin and become part of his kingdom. Satan had a plan. And you can be assured that that's exactly what happened. So, to put it all into context, first Jesus was baptized, then he was attacked. Baptized and attacked. As we journey through Lent, as we walk with Jesus to the cross on Good Friday, where Jesus died for our sins, it's appropriate that as we do so, we remember the importance of Jesus. Again, he faced temptation. He conquered all sin. He never sinned. He's our perfect substitute. Makes him his blood perfect. God blood. Perfect cleansing blood. Life blood. There's life in the blood of a person. He gives his life blood to give blood to us so that our bodies, though they're dust, can live. God has a plan. And it's all for you. So Jesus willingly 
went into the wilderness to be attacked for you. And he did it because he loves you. Sometimes we need to remember that. God loves you. And everything about Lent is what God has done for you. Lent is a season for you. The cross for you. The suffering for you. The dying for you. Because God loves you. So when did God start doing things for you? Well, for you, it all started here at the waters of baptism. Well, probably, right? That's where most of us received Christ. When the water was put on us, we received God. We became born again. That's when God made us living temples of the God of the universe. And God dwells in us, and God is alive in us, and he did all of this for you. And those words, for you, should echo in your ears. I came in the waters for you, to deliver you. Jesus has stepped into the waters of baptism in the Jordan River for you to make those waters a holy, powerful, forgiving water, cleansing water, righteous water that delivers faith and salvation to you. And then Jesus steps into the wilderness to be attacked for you. To face the devil. To withstand. So that we don't have to worry about fighting Satan. I don't have to fight the devil. Jesus did it for me. For you. And there at the baptismal font, your sins are all forgiven. There is your love. However, though Jesus has done all that for you, though He's given you faith and He's given you that promise, there's a word of warning. That in all that, all that God has done for you, there's a huge target now on your back. The devil's paying attention to you. He's paying attention to you too. You are the prime target for temptation. He wants to get you to wander. He wants to lead you into the wilderness. He wants to lead you into temptation. You are in his crosshairs. And his goal is not merely to get you to break a few commandments. Oh, no. His goal is to destroy you. Destroy your body, destroy your soul. So today on this first Sunday of Lent, we listen and we learn about temptation, the temptation of Jesus. Scripture says he was tempted in every way as we were, as we are, just without sin. You know, like every predator, every predator has one goal. If you're a predator, you attack. But will a lion, for example, who's a predator, right? An apex predator. Will a lion attack a whole flock of sheep? No, he's not going to attack flock. But he will wait until one of the sheep begins to wander. When one of the sheep is isolated. When one of the sheep is separated and all alone. And weak. That's when the predator pounces. That's when the blood happens and the death happens. That's when it's attacked. Do you understand the application or do I have to spell it out for you? 
Satan wants to attack you. It's the way he works. He's an apex predator. Just like he attacked Jesus when Jesus was isolated, when Jesus was alone, when Jesus was hungry, when Jesus was vulnerable, Satan pounces, Satan attacks. What do you think Satan's going to do to you? The devil, like any good predator, attacks a solitary. He waits until you're alone on your pity pot. Oh, nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. I'm all alone. And Satan comes and he attacks that. That's exactly what he's doing. He found a way to corner Eve in the garden when she was all alone. Then she ate the fruit. He seeks to isolate you too, whether you're at home, alone, away from other Christians, away from your family members, away from the church, away from the people of God, away from the Lord's Supper, the things that strengthen us. When we're with God's people, when we are at church, when we we feel the responsibility of walking in a proper way, Satan's power to attack us is lessened. That's why Luther encouraged troubled Christians to find their strength in other people, in the body of Christ. But, But don't isolate yourself. Don't be all alone. Don't go it alone. Don't do it alone. Don't be strong all by yourself. Solitude and silence is not a spiritual solution. Not for Luther. The devil's a prowling, prowling lion. He's an apex predator. He wants you to be isolated. He wants you to think you're all alone. He waits for you to feel unloved. He preys on those emotions. He feeds on them. He leads you then into thinking, You have doubt, and you have worry, and you have concern, and you have reason for it. And God doesn't care, and God isn't here, and God doesn't love you, and there are no promises. And when all that fear and worry and doubt and anxiety fills you, Satan knows exactly what to do. He attacks. That's how Satan attacked Jesus. Jesus was not only alone, he was hungry. So it's not surprising the first temptation is about cravings. Human, natural, human hunger cravings. Satan said, if you're the son of God, if you are who you really think you are, if you are who you claim to be, prove it. Command these stones to become loaves of bread. And Jesus hadn't eaten in 40 days. There's a thing about hunger. There's a thing in the brain that controls all that. A pleasure spot. A a spot in in the deep gray matter of our brain that causes cravings. And cravings can be a problem. Some of those cravings, things that natural human beings crave, are bad for us. Whether it's sex or food or greed or pride or drugs or alcohol cravings. And Satan knows how to use cravings. Think about your sinful cravings, the things that control your body and your soul and your mind. 
All those natural cravings have power to turn our appetite. And we get an appetite, a craving for more. And life's little pleasures turn into life's big addictions. Our cravings become an idol and we serve our idols. We bow to our idols, to the bottle, to the pornography, to the things that are not willing to serve the Lord. And what happens when you're all alone with your cravings? What happens when you're all alone and separated and isolated with all those cravings? What happens when Satan isolates you there? Often those cravings become insatiable. You want more. Satan understands. He knows what he's doing. He's done it before. He knows those cravings control us. He knows they they rule over us. And left unchecked, he knows they have the power to destroy us. However, Jesus knows how to deal with the devil. (laughs) And what did Jesus do for you? He controlled his cravings. Though hungry, he didn't give it the upper hand. He came to this world to deny himself, to deny his cravings for you, to beat the devil at his game. For all of you who feel trapped by your human cravings, for all of you who feel trapped by these things inside that control us and and lead us into all kinds of addictions in this life, Jesus subjected himself for you because he loves you. He knows you're powerless and alone and stuck. And so he comes. You're not alone. You're not alone. And by Christ's hunger, now you're filled. He's your holy, perfect substitute, and Jesus fills you with Himself. He fills you with the power of His Son, with salvation. And Jesus spoke these words of deliverance for you on your defense. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And the word was poured on you and splashed on you in the waters of baptism given for you. And with that, Jesus conquered the first temptation for you. The second temptation followed quickly. If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down. Listen, you'll never learn anything about God by challenging God. We think we need to do that, challenge God. God, if you're really God, if you're really who you think you are, and then we make all kinds of challenges for Him. You think you can find out that God's the creator of the world by challenging Him? Challenging God does nothing. Do you think you can know your sins are forgiven by threatening God, by challenging Him? No, we believe those things. We know God is the creator because He spoke it in His Word. We know our sins are forgiven because He spoke it in His Word. He speaks it and we simply believe it. It's the Christian faith. It's our strength. We believe the promise. 
You are dust, and to dust you will return. But one day your dust will rise. You, you want to challenge God on all that? Knock yourself out. There's only one way to get by it. That's to believe it. Only one way to get through it, and that's to believe it. Don't challenge God. Don't twist God's word to justify your sinful behavior. Trust it. Trust God's word. And make Jesus' confession yours. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And with that, God conquered the second temptation. Jesus won the second temptation for you. The third temptation is a doozy. And we all struggle with this one. This temptation attacks your desire to be self-sufficient, to have power, glory, honor, prestige. Satan confronted Jesus and he said, if you are who you think you are, I'll give all of this to you, any of it, if you just bow down and worship me. You know, as bread is to the empty stomach, so is wealth and power to the empty soul. Money promises everything. Wealth promises everything, but delivers nothing. They promise self-sufficiency, peace, happiness, contentment. You'll have enough to live on. You can take care of yourself. That's all I want in life. Just give me a little bit of money. Give me a chance. I'll do it myself. In the end, it offers nothing. But people will do almost anything for a billion bucks. They'll throw anybody under the bus for a billion bucks. They'll risk it all. And yet, how reluctant are we to bend our knees? How reluctant are we to repent? How reluctant are we to bow down and worship the one who so willingly made himself nothing? who went into the wilderness to take up his cross. To deny himself so that we might follow him. The one who gave us everything. And Jesus did that for you. Again, Scripture says, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Jesus refused the devil's deal for your sake. He said, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And the devil fled. The devil went away. He has to flee when he's defeated. And he has to flee from you. Because he's defeated. Now, does this mean that Satan will no longer attack you? (laughs) No. No, it means there's probably a larger target on your back. However, because you believe that Jesus is your Savior from sin, the devil has no power over you. None. He can tempt you. He can lead you away into self-despair and hopelessness. He can make you feel the darkness. That God doesn't care. That God isn't for you. But Jesus has overcome all that. 
Listen, we are not just a fan of, of God as though we're sitting in the stands and watching him. We're in the ring with Jesus, but Jesus is the one who does the fighting. And he fought the battle for us. We are the baptized children in Christ Jesus. And we, we go toe-to-toe with the devil. We don't do it alone. You're not alone. You're never alone. He's our champion. He fought and he won for us. What you're unable to do, Jesus has done for you. And so in the season of Lent, turn to him. Repent. And live. Amen. And now may the peace that God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and life everlasting. Amen.